Well, good morning, Amazing Love. It's great to see all of you this morning. My name's Pastor Jeff. I'm one of the two teaching pastors here at Amazing Love Church. And you've come on a great day because we're launching into a brand new message series for the summer today. We're going to be working our way through the New Testament, the final New Testament book of Revelation. I know that there are a lot of people who are interested in the message of Revelation, so hope, hopefully this will uh, bring you back in future weeks to hear Pastor Dustin and me uh, launch into Revelation, talk about both the challenge and the comfort that it offers us. So you've come, as those of you who've been here before, to what we consider the highlight of our week at Amazing Love, our opportunity to raise up God and glorify Him and thank Him for all His blessings. We're really hoping two things are going to happen to you this morning uh, with all of us together, actually. And one is just that you'll dive deeper into God's Word and you'll understand its application and its importance for your life, but also that you're going to walk away understanding, just like our name says, how amazing God's love is for you. Inside your program, you're going to find a blue card that looks like this. This is our new connection card, and I want to encourage everyone to fill this out, whether you're a member, a long-term attender, or if you're a guest. And if you are a guest this morning, we want to warmly welcome you. We're excited that you're here and uh, you can take this card and just uh, take it to the hub, which is that little desk area out in the lobby. We've got a, a welcome gift. It's our way of saying thanks for coming and checking out Amazing Love. For all the rest of you who are long-term, a couple of the big uses for this is to make sure that we've got the correct information for you. So make sure you uh, check the little box if there's some information that needs to be changed. But even more importantly... Uh, for connecting with you is this card allows you to submit prayer requests and we on the staff will pray with you and for you uh, on those prayer requests. And finally, this is kind of the suggestion box for Amazing Love. If you're seeing something that you think could be just a little better here at Amazing Love or something that you absolutely just loved about Amazing Love, uh, mark it in here in the comments section. That allows us to keep on getting better as a church serving you. All right, with that, I want to invite you to bow your heads and let's pray our way into this morning's uh, worship service. And I'll invite the, the band to come forward during this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so grateful to be here this morning as your children. And that's what we are through Jesus Christ, our Savior. His blood shed on the cross for us, his resurrection to life after death. All of these are the reasons that we can call yourselves, call ourselves your sons and daughters. Lord, as we worship you this morning and honor you, send your spirit into us, into this room through the power of your word. Help us to truly honor you, but also help us to remember the forgiveness and love that you've won for us. We walk in such great comfort because of that. But Lord, finally, we ask you, as this book of Revelation is going to do, to challenge us with that same love, to follow you, be obedient to you, and love you with all of our hearts, minds, soul, and strength. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please rise.
We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. We sing to the God who always makes a way. Because he hung up on that cross, then he rose up from that grave. My God, still rolling stones away. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out. forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. praise. We were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is surely in this place. And we won't be quiet. We're going to shout out your praise. We shout out your praise. Ah, there is joy in the house of the Lord because... Christ has won our forgiveness, and that's one of the things we love to come and celebrate every week is that our sins are gone. They've been carried on the shoulders of Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross for us. Our sins are gone because his resurrection means victory over them. So as we celebrate that moment, I want to invite you to, with me, take take a second and let's just confess our sins to the Lord and then hear once again the beauty of that forgiveness Join with me. Gracious God, we see defeat all around us. We ourselves struggle with a sense of defeat 
because we know our sins. Forgive us for our sins of thought, word, and deed. I am so thankful that it is revealed that you win, and because you win, so shall we. Restore our peace and sense of victory. And that is what you are. You are victors, not victims. You stand in Jesus' victory, and every part of that victory that he won over sin, over death, over the power of Satan, every part of that victory is now yours because you are dearly loved children of God bought with his blood. shown for all to see perfection bore our penalty with a grace so
Awesome. All right. Take a seat. Make yourself comfortable. And if you want to follow along in our gospel lesson for today, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 3. You'll find the reading inside your program. Also, we'll have the words up on the screen for you. So maybe you've wondered, what, what is it going to be like as Judgment Day approaches, as the end of this era approaches, and we move from this era into the next. What's that going to look like? What should I be watching for? And that was actually a question that the disciples had for Jesus as well. 
And in Matthew 24, in these verses 3 to 14, we read how Jesus responded to this question from the disciples, what will be the sign that you're coming, Lord, that you're returning as you've told us you will at the end of the age? Matthew chapter 24, beginning at verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now we'll sing our hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. Please remain seated for this, and I'll be back up in just a moment with the message. Revelation 4.8 tells us, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come.
awesome. Thanks so much, you guys, for leading us in worship. All right. Inside your program, you're going to find the words of Revelation chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. And this is where we'll be diving today into the book of Revelation. And the theme of today's message is the big picture. What I'm going to be trying to do is give you the big picture of the book of Revelation. You might want to pull out your sermon outline and notes to, to follow along. Because as we go forward into some of the chapters of Revelation, what I'm going to try and teach this morning will be helpful to you to following along throughout the entire book. But there's another reason, a second reason why today's message is titled The Big Picture. I'm not just hoping to give you some items that talk about the big picture of the book of Revelation, but as, as God, through the Apostle John, begins this, this book and begins teaching us through it, originally he was teaching seven congregations in Asia Minor, he's also telling us something very important, that to lead a life under God is to realize we humbly don't have the big picture unless we have God in His Word. And that if we try to live life apart from the big picture that He wants us to have, we're going to always find ourselves falling short. If we only have the picture that we gain from our own experience, if we only have the picture that we gain from reading the great books of culture, or even the magazine articles and the, and the online articles that we read, if we only have the picture that the world gives us that we find out from our own experience, our picture of things will, will always be operating through the lens of an impartial picture. So Jesus comes to the Apostle John. John is imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. And he's imprisoned on um, a, a barren island in the middle of the Aegean Sea. Maybe some of you have heard about where Nelson Mandela was imprisoned uh, on Robben Island just off the coast of South Africa. And you're familiar, that was just basically a barren rock, and he spent a lot of time there on that barren rock. Um, very similar to the Apostle John. He was imprisoned on this island because they couldn't get him to shut up about Jesus. And so here he is, and one day, God sends him a vision, an angel. And we're going to read about that, and then I'm going to take you in. Have any of you ever struggled with reading the book of Revelation? Maybe you don't, yeah, we can go ahead and raise hands, why not? I don't mean to embarrass anybody. If you've ever tried to read the book of Revelation, have you found it a little confusing? Okay. Have you found it a little frightening, maybe? All right, so what we're going to do today and going on through this series, which will, will last through the end of July, is we're going to try to remove some of the confusion and bring clarity. We're going to try to remove some of the fear, and in place of the fear, bring a sense of victory and joy and peace, because guess what? That's exactly what God was wanting when he delivered this vision, really seven visions, to John the Apostle to pass on to those seven churches in Asia Minor and now on to us. So let's read Revelation 1, 1 to 11 together. The revelation from Jesus Christ, 
which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Notice how already he's, he's honing in on this is going to be about Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, I, John, your brother and companion, in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos. That's that prison, barren island rock that John was on, the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see, and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. All right, I want you now with me to look back to verse 3. Maybe we can get verse 3 uh, back up there. And I want you to see something that I hope as we go through the next weeks into the end of July, you're going to come away with because this is what God is saying, John, this is what I want you and these seven churches in Asia Minor to come away with, um, that you feel blessed to have read this. Look at what it says in verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now, we already explored this a little bit, didn't we? Like you, I also at first felt, oh, this book of Revelation, <laughs> who could possibly understand what's in it? And the things that I am kind of understanding, these pictures are scary pictures. And they keep reminding me, as already is happening here, the time is near. The time is near. Judgment day is coming. Don't hesitate. You're being warned. And it all just seemed to amp up my adrenaline when I read this book. And maybe you've experienced that too. But I want you to think about what God is promising you in verse 3. That as you read this book, it can be a huge blessing to you. So that's your actually your first fill-in is reading the book of Revelation is a blessing. And that's what we hope the next weeks will be for you is a blessing to you. 
Blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. So he does remind us, and this is a good reminder, and it's part of that big picture that I was talking about before. A time is coming where this life, everything that we're enjoying and thinking about now, it's going to come to an end. And never in the Bible does it tell us exactly when that's going to be. In fact, when Jesus is asked about that, do you remember what, he's, what, what he says as an answer? No one knows the day or the hour when this time will be over. So just be ready all the time. And so this is what this messenger is also saying to John and to us. We don't know. We just always ought to treat it as if it could be today that Jesus might return. All right, so now as you look at this, though, it's important to remember how this book is going to be a blessing to you. Did you know that just like in this room, there's a thermostat that tells this room how hot or how cold to be. In fact, when I was a young boy, I had just become a Christian, and the very first controversy I ever heard in my church was not about doctrine. It, it was not about an interpersonal breakdown of relationships. It was about the temperature in the auditorium during church. That was, that was the big controversy in our church. Some people thought, you know, this is Phoenix, Arizona, that the air conditioning was on too high and it was too cold. And other people thought, no, I'm sweating constantly during the service. We need to turn that thermostat so it's colder in here. And that was the big controversy, right? Do you know that thermostats do create controversy? They just do. And do you know that all human beings also have a thermostat? in their heart. This is what the book of Revelation is going to address, is the thermostat in your heart, right? And just like with a thermostat in a worship space, different people want the thermostat set at different levels. The people in Asia Minor, you're going to hear uh, as, as uh, you read through letters to churches, the people have the thermostat of their hearts in different places and God through John is trying to get them to kind of come close to one another now what do I mean by a thermostat of the heart in this situation what I mean is you all have a different risk tolerance what I mean by that is some of you naturally gravitate toward comfort I want to be comfortable I want to be safe I don't want any shaky waters. I want things to go as smoothly as possible. Your thermostat is set to comfort. And some of you, this is something I know for sure in this church because we sometimes talk about it on Saturday mornings in our men's group. Some of you have your thermostat set to challenge. And some of you are married to each other. You're a comfort person and you're married to a challenge person. And that can cause some interesting discussions in a household and in a marriage. And it also 
causes interesting discussions and dialogue in a church when some, their, their heart's thermostat is set to comfort and others are like, no, we got to get out there. We got to challenge ourselves. We got to be stronger. If we're always seeking comfort, we'll get lazy and we'll get weak and we won't really be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And then the comfort people will come back with, but isn't that the whole essence of God's grace, that, that he puts our hearts at ease and he comforts us? There's even, in the Bible, two different big teachings that are intended to reset the thermostats of our heart. Did you know that? One is called the law. And, and when our hearts, the thermostat gets too set toward comfortable, even comfortable with our own sins, even comfortable just hanging out in our guilt without repentance, along comes the law to shake us up a little bit and say, hey, I think you're getting too comfortable there. And then there's the gospel, that when our hearts are restless and, and when we feel burdened and weighed down with the guilt and the shame of our sins, when we're worried about, is there anyone who can help me out of this horrible situation I'm in, the gospel comes along and says, don't forget, God is always near. Don't forget, Jesus died for your sins. Don't forget, grace covers a multitude of sins. It comforts us. So, the first thing that I want you to know as we go through this book, an overarching truth is going to be, this book is going to be a blessing to you because it's going to do both things. It's going to, at times, challenge you. And at other times, it's going to bring tremendous comfort to you. And that is by design. Take a moment. And maybe this can be a car discussion on the way home. This will be an interesting car discussion. Where is your thermostat normally set? Do you find yourself tending toward comfort? Or do you find yourself like the men in the men's group saying, let's, let's challenge a little bit more. Let's, let's do more. Let's, let's stretch ourselves for the sake of the gospel. And have that conversation maybe in the car on the way home and, and ask yourselves, do we need to somehow figure out a way to get set a little bit more closely to one another? Or does somebody need to slide over a little bit? You can have an interesting discussion just about that. We can have that discussion, right? Okay. <laughs> just checking. All right. So, next, reading the book of Revelation is, is not just a blessing but it's something that we really, really need, and that's a reminder. So you can fill that in on your, pro, on your uh, notes. What do I mean by that? There are two great quotes that I love to quote. One is from Plato, 400 B.C., and I'll show you that in just a moment. And the other is from a guy named Samuel Johnson, and he was a, a, an author a man of letters in the 17th century. And, um, and both of them say roughly the same thing, and I think it's important for us to realize this. So first, that Plato quote. The greater part of instruction is being reminded of things you already know. 
Think about that for a moment. In other words, when we are learning, the most important thing about our learning is that we go back and be reminded of fundamental truths that we've already been taught. How much do pro baseball players make? Millions, many of them, right? Not every pro baseball player makes that much, but a lot of them do. And yet, every spring, do you know what they do, these millionaires who've been playing baseball their entire life? You know what they do? They go to something, I know this because it's big down in Arizona. They go to something called spring training. You know what they do at spring training? These professional millionaire baseball players who've been playing since they were toddlers and they hit their first ball off the tee? They relearn the fundamentals. They start with just going back and learning again the basics of hitting, of catching, of throwing. And you think, what a waste of time that these professionals who have been playing baseball since Little League and T-ball go back and learn the fundamentals. But guess what? None of the managers thinks that. Because over time, what do all of us as people do? We forget. And did you know that even in the Bible, one of the commonest phrases is, do not forget? Let's put that other, let's put that other quote from Samuel Johnson up. Man needs more to be reminded than to be instructed. I want you to think about the problems you face in life. Whatever they might be, maybe it's a business problem at your place of business, maybe it's a problem at home, maybe something needs to be repaired. Do you know that when electronics people get called for repairs, they won't even at first come to your house until they ask you a question? Do you know what the question is? Is it plugged in? Is it plugged in? This thing won't work. It won't even light up. I can't get it to do what I want it to do. Now, is it that you did not know that it should be plugged in? Or was the real problem just that you didn't check and you didn't, you, you kind of just forgot, oh yeah, I need to make sure this most, it's got to have juice going through it, right? A lot of life's problems are like that. It's not that the computer guy needs to come and, teach you all about your computer and its innards. It's that you didn't check for a basic thing that you already knew. And you, you feel dumb. Oh, it was, it was unplugged. You, you see, this is how all of life is. We need to be reminded of basic truths. And most of all, guys, this is how spiritual life is. If, if it can come true that you might forget to plug the computer in, it definitely comes true that we at times forget to do the basics in our spiritual life. And, and that because of that, we slip off the solid, strong spiritual path. And then pastor comes along and he preaches something on, on Sunday morning or we go to Bible class or Saturday morning men's group and the most common phrase, I think, in Saturday morning's men's group is, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, huh. 
That is what we should be doing. We, we knew that, but somehow it had slipped away from us. And so this is, this is just a, a, a great thing for all of us to have is a book of the Bible, the final book. Doesn't that make sense? That the final book of the Bible should be a book of, and don't forget, but couched in kind of picturesque language. One of the things that you'll want to know about this book of Revelation is that it's a type of literature called apocalyptic, and that's why sometimes people shy away from it. Because apocalyptic is a little bit, it has its own features, just like poetry has its own features. And so as we read it, it's going to require a little bit of explanation. But once again, as we paint the picture for you, Dustin and I, you're going to go, oh yeah, huh. Jesus said that same thing. Paul the Apostle said that. Peter, when he wrote his epistles, said that. John himself said it in one of his Gospels. And we'll go back and we'll see, there's nothing new in the book of Revelation. Not really. It's simply a book of reminders that are meant to help us capture those reminders in these beautiful pictures, this beautiful picture language. Take a look at the passage I put in, in your notes. Revelation 1, 4, and 5. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. So who's that a reference to? That's the Father he's talking about there. And what does the Father want you to have? He wants you to have grace. He wants you to have peace in your heart, something that people seek all the time. And from the seven spirits before his throne, that might sound a little bit strange, but actually that word means the sevenfold spirit, meaning it's a reference to a passage in Isaiah that gives us seven different qualities of the Holy Spirit. So it's talking about the Holy Spirit. So grace and peace to you from the Father and from the Holy Spirit and finally from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness. Of course he is. He's the one who is even in the Gospel of John in the first chapter called the Word. And why is he called the Word? Because he came to give us the Word about who God is and what's in his heart. He's a faithful witness. He's the firstborn from the dead. Yes, after he died, he rose again. And the ruler of the kings of the earth. And that phrase is exceptionally important. And will come back up again and again. Why? Because the people that are being written to are under persecution. And they are, they are having a big struggle over their faith. The Roman emperor, likely Domitian, when this was written, was persecuting Christians because he wanted to stamp out any religion that didn't make him God. And it's important to know these things, that that this is a group of people being addressed who are under a lot of pressure. Their property is being confiscated. Their lives are being threatened. Why? Because they're Christians. Also, it's important to know, as we study through this book, that John is writing this some 60, 65 years after Jesus was crucified and rose again. The author, John the Apostle, who's described as the disciple whom Jesus loved, 
who maybe was following Jesus around when he was 25 or 30 years old is now 90, 95 years old. That's the person you should picture in your mind, the John who is 90 or 95 years old. He's got a long track record of following Jesus, being persecuted for his faith, of being imprisoned on the Robben Island of his day because he wouldn't stop preaching about Jesus. But if you read these letters to the churches, John writes, how many generations since Jesus now? Three? At least two. So here in these seven churches, you have... People who probably, if they're very old like John, had maybe personally seen Jesus. You have their children. You have their children, the grandchildren of the people who had witnessed Jesus. And you probably by now have great-grandchildren. I want you to think about this. You all have experienced it. I personally have experienced it. What happens to people's faith as generations pass? Someone who was fully raised in the faith from point A, baptized at eight days old, and then do they always have the same passion and zeal as that first generation? They may have a lot of maturity. They may know a lot about God. But I would wager if you even peeked into your own families, you would go, yep. I've got cousins that were raised as Christians, but they're not Christians anymore. I've got family members who have known Jesus their whole life, but basically they're members of a church in name only. This is the kind of people that John is teaching and reminding them, you have lost your first love. He even says that blatantly to one church. You've lost your first love. You see how he's hitting the comfort dial there and saying we need to amp this up just a little bit? And he's going to hit on our comfort dial too. And he's basically going to tell us, if you're getting real comfortable in your faith... You need to think about that. You need to realize that Christian faith does require some challenge and some getting out of the comfort zone so that others can hear it and and know about it. But also you're going to need at times to be comforted. And this is why John says he is the ruler of the kings of the earth because Also, these persecuted Christians who were being hammered by the emperor and by their own neighbors needed to hear, that guy Domitian, he's not really the guy in control. There's a ruler over all those guys. The ruler of the kings of the earth, Jesus. And whatever's going on in your life, and now I'll turn to you, whatever's going on in your life that you feel is just out of control, Whenever you look at the politics of our own country, whenever you fear anyone who you think has power over you, maybe your boss at work, maybe your spouse at home, and you go, I have no spin on this. I have no way to control this. You know what John says to you? 
there is a ruler of all the kings of the earth. Whoever you think has control over you, you're no victim. We said it earlier, you're a victor because your true king is Jesus Christ, the ruler of the kings of the earth. So be at peace. Know that you have a ruler who rules over all things. So write this down. When life gets tough, we all need the reminder that our faithful, gracious God is in full control. Okay, so here are the two big blessings. Number one, you're going to have a message from God that is law and gospel that both confronts and comforts you. You've, you've probably heard the phrase that the Word of God, the Bible, is meant to afflict the comfortable and comfort the afflicted. That's what Revelation does. Secondly, you're going to have lots of reminders of both God's zeal for His kingdom and His comfort for you. Here's the final point. Have you ever had an aha moment? Something just happened and it and it clicked, and like a puzzle piece fell into place, and you went, oh, oh yeah, and, and it started something? Do you know that happens to people all the time? Do you know that Airbnb got started from an aha moment? Huge now, right? But it only started, I think, in something like 2007, because this kid moved to San Francisco, didn't have a job, didn't have enough money to really pay his rent, only his deposit, so paid a deposit, got into an apartment, and still didn't get a job, and one day he saw an advertisement that there was a big conference coming to town, and he said, aha, uh -huh. what if... I bought some air mattresses and threw them down in the living room and there are people because this conference is so big they can't find a space to sleep because the hotels are already full from this conference and I put up a website that says, do you need a place to sleep for this conference? Come and sleep on one of these air mattresses and thus was born Airbnb out of an aha moment. As we read in the next weeks from the book of Revelation, you will get some aha moments. There will be times when you go, oh, I didn't have that perspective. And why didn't you have that perspective? Because no one human has that perspective apart from the Word of God. We need God's half of the picture. And if we try to go through life with just our own half of the picture, we'll be flying blind, essentially. So this book is going to give us some aha moments. And that's exactly what is promised through John. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. This is really an important thing. Listen to this voice. It's going to sound like a trumpet to John, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, meaning everybody in these churches needs these moments where they say, aha, I now have God's perspective. So here's what I want you to write down as our final point. There is a whole big picture that we cannot see. Humbly, we must just understand that. That big picture must be shown to us. It must be revealed. The very name 
revelation comes from a Greek word, which means unveiling or uncovering. So that's what this book is about. It's an uncovering of the big picture, and especially the part of the picture that only God has and that we need to see. It must be shown to us or our views will be incomplete. So here's the challenge for you for this week. As you begin to read, maybe at home through the book of Revelation, you're going to encounter a number of things that you may not fully understand. But highlight or underline those things that stand out to you as just plain, clear language. You'll find plenty of them as you read it. And the things that you don't fully understand as we go through this series, hopefully you'll get answers to that. But here's the one big thing from the book of Revelation to always remember. You are victors, God tells you. You are not defeated, just as Jesus' death on the cross did not defeat him, but only led to his resurrection. And so as you go through life, go through life with great joy and peace in your heart, because no matter what life brings you, no matter how hard it becomes at times, because of Jesus, you are a victor in him. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we are so grateful for your love, so grateful that you have turned us from victims of ourselves, of our own sin, of our guilt and shame, into victors over sin, death, and hell through your bloodshed on the cross for us and through your victory over death on Easter morning. Lord, help us as we go through this entire book of Revelation to revel in that victory and find the peace and the joy that you want us to have in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join with me if you would, and let's confess our Christian faith together in the words of this ancient creed, the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'm just going to quick hit on a, a few family matters here. First of all, a reminder before I forget to do it to fill this out and offering baskets are going to come by in just a moment and you can place this into the offering basket with your prayer request or your comment or your change of information. And uh, that's the easy way to always submit those. And remember, the real purpose behind this is for us to connect and communicate with you. All right, on the back of your program, you're going to find some other announcements. Um, the one that I want to highlight is the final one, support our teens headed to the 2022 Youth Rally in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm actually going to read it with you because I think this is important, and it's a bit urgent. Some of these things are ending, your opportunity for them are ending today. Our teen work auction will end after services this week. So remember that the auction ends today. Remember that the kids can accept more than one bid, so don't be afraid to bid a lower price for a different day. 
And calling all dessert lovers, next week we'll have a free will bake sale between the services. That sounds yummy. And if you want to get more information, uh, Laura is right here sitting in front and she has all the details, correct? Beautiful. All right, with that, I want to invite you to join me in prayer. We have some people that I'd love to pray with, pray for. Uh, dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your provision for us all the time and your protection. Lord, be with those families who are affected by this shooting in Uvalde, Texas. It's a horrible tragedy, Lord, and our hearts go out to those families. Bring them, through Jesus, your comfort. Lord, we, we pray that you would continue to provide for and protect your people throughout the world, including us, but also all those who are at war, uh, who are in times of famine, who are experiencing natural disasters. Help these things to lead them to look to you and become increasingly dependent on you for their provision and protection. Uh, Lord, we pray for Lorenzo Ulsegrai that God would heal and provide medical solutions to all the things that are going on physically with him. For Judy, that God would continue to bless her recovery from surgery. For Don, that God would grant healing and recovery for Don according to your will. For Petey, that God would empower him to break the chains of his addictions. For Amanda Ventura's dad, continue to give him strength and peace through your spirit and through the word. For Diane, for continued recovery after having COVID. For Hannah's dad, for continuing health and recovery. For Cheryl, for health and recovery. And finally, for Rebecca, also for continued health and recovery. And Lord, we lift up all these people and all these prayers to you confidently and boldly, knowing that you hear our prayers and that you promise to give answers to our prayers. And Lord, we also pray the prayer that you yourself taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now I'm going to invite you all to stand. The band's going to come back up. Oh, yes, offerings. Please uh, bring the offering baskets forward. Just place your communication or your connection card in that basket. If you happen to have an offering, uh, you can place it in there as well. Thanks, guys.
I promise to make this quick, but I have one last story, all right? We were having our Tuesday night growth group, and all of a sudden, the air conditioning wasn't working anymore. And we have a big group of people in this room, and everybody's getting warm. It was warm on Tuesday night. So I grabbed my good buddy in the, in the growth group, Bill Uthy. Thanks for letting me uh, embarrass you. And Bill goes with me around all the house, and I'm like, I, I don't know what's going on. Why won't it come on? And then Bill comes into the utility room and he sees a switch. <laughs> and he sees that the switch is down. <laughs> and he says, let's try turning this switch up because it goes to the furnace and your air conditioning won't work without the furnace on. <laughs> you see, we all need Bill Uthies in our life. <laughs> right? And And... That's the same reason we need the book of Revelation. Because it's not that we always need a lot of new things. We just need reminders about what switches need to be flipped on in our spiritual life. We need someone to come alongside of us. So if you're asking, why the book of Revelation this summer? Couldn't we have chosen something else? No, because remember what we were told today. When we read the book of Revelation, just like I was on Tuesday night, we're going to be so blessed from reading it. So I hope as you go out, you'll think, man, I can't wait to come back next week to hear more about this great book, which is no longer called Revelation, but Bill Uthie to me. <laughs> okay? All right. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and grant you his peace. Amen. Have a great week in the Lord, everyone.